0: Welcome to the Music Spectrum Podcast. On my show, I will talk with my guests about their favorite type of music, their favorite concerts, and might even play some music trivia. Follow me on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So let's start the show with your host, me, Ron Galista. Good evening everybody and welcome to the Music Spectrum Podcast. I am your host Ron Glista and tonight doing something a little different here. I got a guest on my show that I know very little about besides just talking with him for about five minutes before we jumped on and he was told by my brother-in-law Tug of all people that he needs to get on my show. So I'm going to introduce Joe, Joe Botta. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. How you doing? And it's actually beta, but leave that. I love it because I get called Joe Botta all the time. So it's an easy way to for- Joe, Joe Botta, for boom, Botta, Bing. I'm sure
0: you've heard that That's, too,
1: <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of other things too, but yeah, my name is Joe Beta. I work at uh, Boardman Subaru with uh, your brother-in-law, Tug, and he kind of turned me on to you know to you a little bit after listening to his podcast, which I was really- really entertained by. I thought it was pretty amazing. So um, I was pretty honored that he thought enough of me to want to talk to you about music. So my music's one of my passions. But anyway, I'm I'm born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, Moved around quite a bit. I won't bore anybody with the stories. Um, Moved around every two, three years growing up and went to several schools. So I grew up on the south side of Youngstown until second grade, west side of Youngstown until fourth grade. Parents get divorced, moved to Struthers. I'm always meeting new friends, new people, new environments. And then uh, my middle school years, sixth through eighth grade, I went to Boardman Glenwood Middle School. And then mom gets remarried. We moved to Poland. So of all places I end up, I graduated from Poland in 1995. So along the way, I've met a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of influences, things like that. So um did a lot of things growing up, a lot of interests, but just a quick synopsis of the things that i'm interested in i've always been into motorcycles uh boxing is my favorite sport i played baseball a little bit um through school little league up until my sophomore year in high school then uh, i was more interested in cars and having fun and partying with my friends you know in school so <laughs> i wasn't much of a student <laughs> listening yeah. to music man my 80s hair metal which i never quite got away from and that was huge for me in high school acdc being my favorite band and Um, that was a huge influence for me. Up until now, I just uh, never really grew up out of that stage. But uh, one of the sports I did in high school actually was uh, in the KO Drugs Boxing. Um, We were the second class out of Pullen High School to actually have students that wanted to box. And I made it to the finals, lost the finals, but I got into boxing shortly after high school too. Um, Yeah, so I boxed at Southside Boxing Club for a while, mostly sparring training and and uh, wanted to be a professional boxer of all things. At at one point in time, I wanted to be a pro boxer. Never quite got there, but took the work and dedication, you know. I went to school, went to college for a year, went to YSU for business. Had absolutely no clue what I wanted to do out of high school. As a matter of fact, I joined the Marines my junior year. Went to the delayed entry program and then ended up uh, not going for a few reasons. Uh, They changed my MO to a five-and-a-half-year versus a four-year. I signed up for military uh, or aircraft maintenance. So they changed my uh, occupation, years of sign-up, so I got out of that. So I was all over the place. I wanted to join the boxing program and the Marines and just didn't do it, didn't follow up with those things. But uh, one of my passions was always photography as well, specifically sports photography. So I ended up going to um, Pittsburgh Art Institute, in Pittsburgh, moved down there in 2000, August of 2000 and graduated December, 2002 with a associate's degree in photography. And uh, during my last year there actually did professional boxing photography for ESPN, Boxing World Magazine, did a couple things. And um, I had my own column for insideboxing.com called From a Neutral Corner. And I did quite a few fights in PA, West Virginia, Ohio, uh, did a lot of Paul Spadafora fights, top rank boxing, met a lot of the boxing stars, uh, Buster Douglas, all those guys. So I, the list goes on and on. I can talk for two hours about some of the things I've experienced, but done some crazy things, you know, some fun things. Then moved back after I graduated, did uh, boxing photography until 2005. I actually photographed Mike Tyson's last fight at the, um, oh, Wow in Youngstown, um, the Tyson World Tour. I was ringside for that. And that was my last gig. Didn't pay the bills. (laughs) 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 Did pay the bills, but uh, got into the car business in 2005. uh, Lost my job in Solon, Ohio, as a as a uh, general manager. And uh, one of my good uh, friends from the west side of Youngstown, Donnie Namath, is our general manager here. By the way, was working at um, Sweeney Chevrolet and and Sweeney Buick. I walked over there one day, I told him I needed a job and I got into the car business in 2005. So I worked over at Sweeney's as a sales as a sales rep till 2009. Couldn't take it anymore. After four years of the car business, it drove me crazy. Got out for a year, wanted to get back in the car business. I followed my friend, Donnie Namath, over to Boardman Subaru, August of 2010. Been here ever since, best job i ever had. So I'm in sales and uh, I'm one of the used car managers over at the dealership.
0: That sounds awesome. You know, it's, yeah. you know, you, you, you were in the car business for a while you got sick of it, you got tired of it, you had to get out and it just drags you right back in.
1: Drags you right back in. And then, uh, of course, shame on me for not saying, uh, talking about my family. So I am happily married since 2006 to my wife, Holly. We live in Austin Town. We have three beautiful dogs. Those are my children, unfortunately, but we never had kids. But I have seven nephews and nieces, a goddaughter and a godson. So we have plenty of children in our lives. So we have we have an amazing life, you know, got kids in my life.
0: That's what it's all about. Just, you know, try to live yeah. an amazing life and be as happy as you can be. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you uh were letting everybody know a little bit about you 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 popped a little bit of musical influences in there one of the things i heard was acdc uh what what turned you on the acdc where did that come from you know in your point in life
1: well um obviously everybody knows acdc so and they look at it as simple music and uh i just think everybody knows of acdc love them or hate them you got to agree that uh they put their mark in the music industry. So if you you put on at the time CD 106, which is CD 93.3, you're going to hear ACDC music, right? So it's all over MTV back in the 80s. But how I got turned on to ACDC, truly turned on was in the uh, mid 80s. Um, I had a record player in my room, so I always listened to music. And actually, I started off listening to oldies. My dad was a huge oldies fan, which which weren't oldies to him. My dad Always played um, the Righteous Brothers and the Four Seasons, Del Shannon. Um, I never really was heavy into rock music at that time. I'm seven, eight years old. My mom had a bunch of albums. Says here, Joey. She goes, "I want you to look through some of my albums I never listened to anymore." And one album intrigued me because it didn't have any artwork on the cover, and uh, it was just a black album. I picked it up. I saw the logo and i'm like i saw that before where did i see that said acdc on the bottom it said back in black i'm like what 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 is this i put it on had a pretty nice little stereo setup my dad gave me at the time the very first track i'll never forget it was hell's bells i heard these these like church bells ringing and i'm like okay what is this is this like satanic music am i supposed to listen to this here my mom bought that album when it came out and i'm listening to that song and i i mean my heart stopped i was like I don't even know what to think right now i heard the first two chords the drum beat and then obviously we know now brian johnson's voice singing like a like a rolling thunder and i was like this is the perfect music for me i absolutely loved it it made my body just tremble with joy you know i i at a young age i was like this is absolutely amazing i listened to that whole album through four times that day never forget it i couldn't get enough of it shook me on it long back in black I and mean, the list goes on and that that album for me that was really truly one of the first albums that i listened to front to back on the very first listen and just i literally loved every song it was just different to me it was simple it was rhythmic it was thunderous i mean that the guitar is played the way it's supposed to be played the drums are played the way it's supposed to, you know how they're supposed to be played absolutely amazing um i was hooked immediately and of course i'm a I'm a huge music fan. So my very first album wasn't Back in Black. It was Thriller from Michael (laughs) Jackson. Who doesn't like Thriller? I had Thriller, I had some Duran Duran albums. My sister, I have a half sister as well that lives in New York. You know, she would come over every other weekend and she'd she'd try to get me onto like the 80s synth, synth pop, you know, which I like, you know, Prince, the Rhythmics, little bit of everything, Information Society, and uh, she even tried to turn me on to Pink Floyd a little bit. It was a little too spacey for me, you know. It was uh, a little too complicated music for me at the time, you know.
0: I, I would so. agree. I'm, I'm not a big <laughs> Floyd fan myself, and I, I agree with you. It's just a little bit different for me, and that's something that I've never gotten. I know their songs by listening to um, CD 106 or, you know, 93.3, what it is right now, you know, because that's all they played, like you said, ACDC, Pink Floyd, Aerosmith, right, like that. You know, hearing the songs, you know, the popular stuff. But once you get into some of their deep tracks, that's a little too deep for me, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, then to go from there, I I just went down the rabbit hole at that point. Um, The very that was really the very first hard rock album I was into. Um, But I listened to the radio all the time and I knew all the quote unquote hair bands, glam metal bands at the time. I, I was familiar with Quiet Riot, Rat um i had cassettes as well and a lot of those cassettes were hand-me-downs for my sister at the time because i was like too young my parents don't want me to listen to that that kind of music you know initially i don't even think my mom knew what she bought when she bought back in black you know i don't even know if she ever listened to it um <laughs> but i was really like impressed that my mom had that album to be honest with you because she listened to mainly disco the Bee Gees, um you know things like that and uh like fleetwood mac was a big favorite of hers um Bruce Springsteen so I mean really I can talk for hours and hours about my musical influences but to start off before that the very first music I really got into and listened to was polka music and I know that sounds really ridiculous grandfather no. was a huge polka fan you know <laughs> and every Sunday morning on AM radio I would listen to polka music and my grandpa would cook halushki and that was like my first like entrance into music you know and I'm like wow this is pretty cool it's jumpy it's fun music has always been like the music that moves me is music that just that effortlessly moves my body and, and fills my mood so I listen to music that I pick songs I pick bands that portray that energy that I kind of portray and, and I'm a pretty energetic fun loving guy I like energetic fun music you know, I, I want to be upbeat most of the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, then my dad would always play um, Freddie Boom Boom Cannon, um, Palisades Park. I don't know if you ever heard that song. It's a pretty crazy 50 song. Oh
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I listened to um, Chuck Berry in the Beach Boys, which were, which were the 60s. The Righteous Brothers, greatest hits. My dad would always play Righteous Brothers eight tracks. And Del Shannon, the one album other than all of my 80s hair metal and rock that I listened to, one of the greatest recorded albums is probably Del Shannon Live in England. And that was uh, 1972. That was one of the very first albums I listened to with my father. And just blows me away to this day. I still have it. I'm one of the few that have it on CD um, because you can't download it anywhere. And uh, I I show your brother-in-law that. Album from time to time, some clips of it, and he's pretty impressed. You know, you but, were
0: about to shock me there because I thought you were going to say I still have that on a record, not a CD. So,
1: well, I click vinyls now, so I have two copies of that on vinyl, of course. Oh no way! Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. it's a great album. I don't know why I have two copies, but I'm kind of a hoarder, so uh, one <laughs> had scratches on and had to buy another copy as a backup on eBay. So there you go. <laughs>
0: so. You said that that black album, you know, your mom, you know, your mom told you to play, she'd introduce you to it, or whatever. I couldn't think, I mean, there's very, very few bands or more importantly, songs out there that, like you said, you can hear the first 20 to 30 seconds of it, and you hear the chiming of the bells, and you hear the guitar and a drum kick in. That is such an iconic beginning to a song let alone any song in the world but to that song it's hard to forget that and it is to take you right back to that point where you were in your life and how you described listening to the beginning of that song I mean I could still hear it in my head right now it's not even playing and that's just it's so cool how you describe that because you know there's very few songs where you can put it on for 30 seconds and not even listen to the rest of the song and just be blown away by what you just heard.
1: Yeah, and that was one of them. Um, so that set me off. At, I will never forget. It was 19, I believe, 85. It was the first year we moved to the West Side. After that point, I wanted to start collecting music. That was it for me. That, that did it. So I went, and my dad would always, you know, on payday. My dad was also in the curb business back in the day, so I'm, I'll never forget on a Friday payday, he'd take me to the store. We'd go to Bargain Port. We'd oh, go yeah. to Bargain Port, where you had to put your hand in the little hole and grab a cassette. Or a CD. And, you know, obviously I listen to the radio a lot. So, you know, I listened to Iron Maiden, I listened to Poison, Metallica. Uh, wasn't big into Metallica at that point, but I was intrigued by them because it was just, it was as heavy as I wanted to get. But, and this is right in the middle of the 80s when that music was popular and I was a fan of it at a young age. You know, most people that were a fan of that music were in their teens going to concerts. I was too young to go to a concert, but I wanted all I can get because. When I'd hear these bands playing, you know, guitar solos and, you know, memorable tunes. I mean, tunes you can hum back when you're putting your head on the pillow. And it's just like, you know, Poison wasn't as heavy or as dirty as ACDC. They were just sleazy, right? Like these 80s hair metal bands, just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I was too young to even understand what that was. Oh yeah, I didn't care less about the lyrics. I just liked the music. So the very first hair metal, um, (laughs) if you want to get into hair metal, was Poison. Open up and say, or, or I'm sorry, Poison. Um, Look what the cat dragged in. I think I came out in 86. I bought that. I bought um, Def Leppard, High and Dry, Def Leppard, um, Pyromania. I just went down this before you know it, I had over a hundred cassettes in a short period of time. My dad would just Hey, you want this? Yeah, I get it. So I had before you know it had Def Leppard. I had all the ACDC cassettes at the time. So started memorizing their catalog pretty well. Didn't realize they had a lead singer before Brian Johnson and uh, you know, As I got older, I really started studying like a little bit about my favorite band, ACDC. And Mm -hmm. uh, they made six albums with their previous lead singer, Bon Scott. Such a different sound, but the the sound of the band was still the same, you know? As Angus Young would say, you know, everyone says we made 11 of the same albums, says they were wrong, we made 12, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Every album sounds the same. They've made the same album to an extent, you know? Uh, Now they have at least 16, They make 11, 12 albums they're still selling though too exactly exactly and to me they're different to everybody else i'll my I'll play it for my wife i don't want to go see acdc they all sound the same or oh, that just sounds the same you know that every song sounds the same well to most people maybe it does but to me every song's a little different It means something a little different to me you know Yep. okay um so you got into the hair metal stuff
0: a little bit there you talked about that a little bit um Somebody else I have down here in your list is Cinderella. Where does Cinderella fit in on your list of hair metal bands like Poison and Motley Crue and stuff like that?
1: So in 1987, when Appetite for Destruction came out, like I said, I'm still a young kid. My sister was in love with Axl Rose. So of course I got into Guns N' Roses as well and uh, I was blown away by that album. Um, Obviously, I don't know if you remember the, original cover of appetite for destruction when they first released it it was called called the rape cover because there's a girl on the front cover without clothes on i wasn't allowed to buy that album (laughs) and um, my sister had it so i listened to it with her obviously i listened to the radio i was very familiar with all the songs i was a big mtv fan so i was very familiar with with, uh with guns and roses so when I used to go visit my sister who lived on Washington Boulevard with her mom, we have the same dad, different mom. I used to go over there every other weekend. And she's like, listen to this, Joe, you're going to love it. So I look on the wall and she has a Cinderella poster and I just saw this crazy, these dudes that look like chicks, basically with big, fluffy hair. Yeah. Ton of on the front cover, I got this three, four strange looking dudes on the front cover. I'm like, what is that? She goes, we're going to listen to that next. So after we finish the appetite for destruction album, she pulls out night songs. She got it on cassette. I was blown away. I was like, this guy sounds like gang. He sounds like Brian Johnson from ACDC, but they were a little different musically a little, probably a little more talented in a certain way, maybe not as rich." And that, that glam metal, that sound, you know, his raspy voice, the bluesy guitar is very similar to ACDC, very similar to me. And Every song was great. Then I started watching MTV and their videos came out shortly after that. She was a huge Bon Jovi fan, which Bon Jovi got Cinderella's start. She's telling me the story about this because my sister used to um, have hit Crater magazine. So I learned a lot of it from her. Then she'd give me the magazines and I'd read them, you know. So at a young age, I, I knew about this band Cinderella, but they only had one album. Right. So I, I bought that album. I wore it out. I wore out my sister's Appetite for Instruction cassette, too. So at this point, I am in, I'm just in heaven. I, I didn't think music can get any better. I mean, it was the perfect music for my life. I don't even know why it's the perfect music for my life. I was a young kid, you know, um, got all my friends into it, but I was just a huge Cinderella Guns N' Roses fan. Just not a lot of catalog, right? I had one album to go off of. 1988, as I'm getting a little older, I moved. This is where everything kind of changed. I went in 1988. I um, moved to Struthers and uh, that was a tough time for me because my parents got divorced. So my mom had custody of me and we had this little apartment next right behind the Bowery on Midlothian. So okay. all I had was music, man. I didn't have little toys. I had music and I had all my cassettes and I'm listening to my, my music. And uh, my mom takes me music shopping. And that was a big thing for me. I get music, you know? And I saw that Cinderella had a new album out. It's called Long Cold Winter, just a white album. And I remember looking at that album, I'm like, it's very similar to Back in Black. It's just a white cover with, with purple, you know, a logo. And I'm like, man, this looks really cool. I knew nothing about that album. Got the cassette home and I was even more blown away. They, it's like that band evolved a little bit. They became It was a bluesier album, a couple power ballads, which I'm a huge fan of. And uh, so... You know, Cinderella doesn't have a lot of albums. They have th- four albums, four studio albums, but I always loved them. Almost e- almost equaled ACDC. Um, fast forward to my teen years and when I started driving and had a stereo in my car. I was stuck in the 80s, man. You know, I mean, I was just absolutely stuck in the 80s in 1993, 94. I'm yeah. stuck. Um, I- I'll never forget when Nirvana came out. Um, I was watching the video, the world premiere. The song before that was Warrant Cherry Pie. That was the number one album that year. Warrant Cherry Pie, 1991. The world premiere on a Friday night comes out. Nirvana. Smells Like Teen Spirit. That changed the music world overnight. Absolutely it did. Though I liked that song, I didn't like what happened afterward because all these bands from Seattle came out. All the grunge bands. I absolutely hated them at the time. I hated them. It (laughs) took away from more of my 80s hair metal music to come out. You know, my my glam metal, it just stopped altogether. It was like overnight, the music industry changed from wearing makeup, big hair. And that's not why I like my 80s hair metal bands. I like what they stood for. They just played good music. You know, they played their instruments It was rhythmic. It was, it drove me. It felt, it was exciting. And then you go into this sadness almost overnight, like this angry, sad music. And uh, I wasn't a huge fan of any of those bands at the time. You Know so I still listen to my ACDC Cinderella Guns and Roses Rat Poison Wasp Warrant. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, I was probably like a one of a kind because not I didn't have many friends that followed suit with me, <laughs> you
0: know. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, like you said, <laughs> that one song bringing in that new genre of music completely changed everything because you and I are the same age, we both graduated 95. and... I remember watching Smells Like Teen Spirit on MTV. I remember seeing Even Flow, Pearl Jam playing on MTV. And that was the new thing to listen to. You know, I'm the same way. I liked all my old stuff. I was in the 80s, 80s hair metal, Guns N' Roses, different things like that. But this was something completely new that just changed music. And a lot of people, like you said, just dropped what they were doing and just followed that because it just took off
1: yeah absolutely so i tried um to get into it so i kind of forced myself and i got into a little bit of Soundgarden and pearl jam and to to be quite honest fast forwarding now at 43 years old i actually have most of the uh grunge band albums i actually learned to appreciate them for what they were you know and the state of music today to me is horrible um i couldn't name you top three top 40 bands right now i have no clue um and it's not I don't have this preconceived notion that new music is bad, but I used to joke and say, man, what happened to the songwriters? Did the songwriters die? Because there's nothing on the radio now that quite gets my juices flowing. You know, Uh, it sets the tone for my day. I mean, I listen to music on a bad day, two hours a day, on a bad day, on a day I shouldn't be listening to music. I listen to music two hours a day. I have a half hour drive to work, half hour drive home. I go home. You know, I consider myself kind of an amateur audiophile. I have two really nice stereo setups in my house. Every single room has a sound bar. I mean, everything's kind of set up where I want it to sound as good as it possibly can. And I just, uh, music's everything to me. It, you know, it winds me down and it wakes me up, you know? So as I as I grew older, you know, even with Tug, and Tug jokes with me all the time when we go back and forth, he hates hair metal. And we joke about it. Whether he hates it or not, I don't even know but we joke about it i know he probably can't stand it and uh he's kind of the guy that i got into a couple crazy little things i won't get off track here because i could talk for four hours about music but i led him on to some some bands recently that have been around for a while but haven't been around um like the texas tornadoes a little bit of tex-mex music um the lead singer the sir douglas quintet had a super group back in the late eighties, early nineties called the Sir Douglas Quintet. And it's like Tex-Mex music, mostly country. Okay. Um, and I don't know, he actually appreciated that. And it, it was like a little bit of a bond between me and him because it was like more <laughs> of the we agreed on, but he got me into some of the grateful dead stuff recently. Um, I can appreciate it though. It's not my type of music entirely. Touch of gray has always been one of my favorite songs and not oh, yeah. because it's better not grateful Dead. I love that song. I remember watching the video premiere. Um, in the eighties, you know, 1988, or whenever that came out. That's a great song, you know, to me. Um, It's, I don't think it's one of their favorite songs, you know, as, as a band, I don't think that was ever one of their favorite songs, but to me it was like their best song, you know? (laughs) So, but, you know, getting into ACDC, Cinderella, um, those bands did everything for me, man. Um, I've met the lead singer of Cinderella, was backstage back in 2002. Oh, I got to hear this story now. now
0: elaborate uh, on this, me. How'd you get back there in the first place?
1: So I took a little breather um, from my 80s hair metal music for a while because I was trying my best at the time to evolve. Um, when I when I was roommates with John Gallo, he got me into like Ramstein, um, a little bit of uh, Primus, Metallica. You know, it's kind of funny. I didn't mention Metallica yet. I never really got into them. And, and just by default, I always respected them and liked them. John's a huge Metallica fan. He got me into Metallica pretty heavy. Then we started going down Sepultura. You know, some of these heavier bands that I never really listened to. Um, and, you know, Fear Factory, those type of bands. And I started getting down like Megadeth. I started really listening to heavier music, Pantera. And then I started listening to um, some grunge music again. And then I remember... Um, Andrew W.K. came out, I think in like 2000, I yeah. actually, liked it for some weird reason, and then Buck Cherry, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, they're like the second coming of ACDC kind of, and they kind of fizzled out because I only had like three or four good songs. I tried my best to latch on to new music because I thought there was some progress being made, you know, and uh, then one day, a friend of mine, I was working in uh, Pittsburgh, I used to work at Sam's Club in Robinson when I was living in Pittsburgh going to school. He's like, Hey, I got tickets. I got some, I got two extra tickets. If you want to go see poison Cinderella, it was slaughter and faster pussycat. And I'm like, Oh my God, that'd be great. It was called the Holly weird tour. Okay. It was at uh Burgess town at the post Gazette in Pittsburgh. And this was July of 2002. I'm still living in Pittsburgh. I kind of like went maybe six months or so, or a year without really listening to any hair metal music because I thought I burned myself out of it. I went to that concert. Faster Pussycat was okay, but they kind of turned into a weird emo band. Um, so they played their music, but it came out dressing up like BS, like it was real BDSM. It was weird. Yeah. He came out, he kind of looked like Marilyn Manson a little bit, you know. Okay. Uh, lead singer's name's Tamed Down. I don't know. He looked like Marilyn Manson when he came out. So I wasn't into that too much. And then Slaughter came on you know, flat of the angels. They played that song, a couple other songs. It was great. And then all of a sudden the stage lit up and then got dark. And I saw smoke coming from the stage. Cinderella came on. And we were probably 10 rows back, good seats. And they, they, um, they played somebody Save me. And it, it just, Oh my God. It was the best concert experience I ever remembered up to that point. I was blown away all over again. It was like, I, it was like I forgot who Cinderella was and they, hit after hit, song after song. Tom, the the lead singer, Tom Kiefer, playing the saxophone, played the piano. Great front man, kind of reminds me of Steven Tyler a little bit. I was so blown away, I don't even remember the Poison concert. Poison was a headliner, you know, and and I enjoy Poison. That was it for me. I remember getting in the car and I looked at my friend. I said, I was with my friend Joe at the time. I said, hey, we're going to Walmart right now. I said, "I'm, I'm gonna go get some fresh CDs because I had worn out, since worn out my Cinderella CDs. I went and bought every CD that they had there, listened to Cinderella nonstop for like three months. I was just like, I, I, this is unreal, unbelievable. So August of 2002, my friend Joe Fox and I, my childhood friend from, been friends with them since 85. They did a quick sto- a quick stop in uh, Erie PA, the Civic, Erie Civic Center, we stayed at the Avalon Hotel I brought our Jack Daniels to the room, had my boom box. We're listening to some Cinderella, and uh, it was the same tour. Okay, poison, slaughter, faster, pussycat. And they made a quick pit stop in between, um, in between Pittsburgh and um, Allentown, PA. And they it was kind of a last minute call. We got tickets on Ticketmaster, it was standing room only. And our, we get there that day. I, t- I took off work for two days. We go there that day. It's on a Friday night and I'm hammered. I'm in the room. We're, 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 just hammered. So I'm listening to the local rock radio they had at the time. And they said, Hey, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, we're going to have the front man of Cinderella, Tom Kiefer on our radio show. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I got to listen to this. So the next morning we, we tune in, we go get a quick breakfast. He's on this radio show and they're telling us the address of this where this radio show is being broadcast. It's right down the street from our hotel. And I start drinking. I start drinking. I said, You know what, Joe? I said, I'm going to go meet Tom Kiefer. We're going to get backstage passes. He's like, How are we going to do that? I said, Just trust me. We're going to do it. So we walk down there. We get there. The interview is just about over. I see him through the glass door. He's sitting down with the interviewer. Yeah. He walks out, gets in his limo. They drive him across the street to the Civic, the Erie Civic Center. There's a crowd of people waiting for autographs. Okay. I walk through security. I walk straight towards him. He walks out of the limo. My buddy's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I said, "Just stop." The one security guard stops him. He's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm, I'm going to go meet Tom. I, I, I'm going to get an autograph." And he starts laughing. I just walk past him. I introduced myself. I oh, mean, I'm lucky I didn't get shot. I walk <laughs> right up to him. I'm kind of starstruck. I said, "Tom." my name is Joe. I'm a huge Cinderella. I'm a lifelong Cinderella fan. I drove all the way from Youngstown, Ohio. He probably had no clue what that was. It was only like an hour and a half drive. I said, I'd love to get backstage passes. And he looked at me and goes, what's your last name? I go beta. He goes beta. Okay. He goes, there'll be two backstage passes. Wait um, waiting for you. We'll call at six o'clock. I
0: was like, okay.
1: I thought he forgot. We went back to the hotel and we partied all, all day. We just went drink after drink it's concert time six uh, con- the, the doors open at six thirty. I get there I walk up to will call booth add my tickets give them my idea said I'm, I'm here to get two backstage passes sure enough he even spelled my name right B-A-D-A oh, shit. they hand me an envelope I got two backstage passes I'm on cloud nine wow. I'm like I'm gonna meet one of my childhood heroes, man you know and uh Yeah, we went to the concert. I mean, I I had tunnel vision, man. I just couldn't even really pay attention to the concert. When Cinderella came on, I'm excited. I skipped the Poison show. (laughs) (laughs) Went to the back. He's standing there with his um, future wife at the time. Her name's Savannah. And she's a a local musician, too, that he had met um, while he was on tour. And I remember smoking a cigarette. I got a bandana on. I got a Cinderella shirt on. I'm hammered. I walk up to him and he remembered me he goes beta right I'm like yeah he remembered me and I just was like oh my god I'm hanging out with Jeff Labar Eric Brittingham Fred Curry and Tom Kiefer and I said I I can't believe this And we're standing outside of his tour bus so what do I say like an idiot I go you want a cigarette I'm thinking nothing cooler than smoking a cigarette he goes yeah no man he goes I'm a singer I don't smoke (laughs) I was like oh my god I'm sorry. He's like, you want to have anything to drink? He's like, no, I don't drink either. I got to keep my voice, you know, uh, prepared for the next show. And I'm like, Oh my God, these guys don't party anymore. You know, but we, I hung out with them for like an hour, man. And he was telling me about why they never released another studio album after still climbing from 1994. And he said, because Sony um, bought the rights to all their music and uh, they wanted to control the writing process. And he said, well, you know, I like to write my own music and we're still battling in the courts to get control of our music again. So they never came out with another studio album. And that's why Tom Kiefer tours as a solo band today. Yeah. And he has rights to the Cinderella music. And he's come out with two studio albums since. So I've been to all those shows as well. <laughs> but so I've seen Cinderella live probably like seven times, you know.
0: That's a very interesting story. That takes some balls to just walk through security and walk right up to a limo and tell a guy, <laughs> hey, I want backstage
1: passes, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I didn't know what else to say. I just figured just be bold about it. Tell him I'm a fan. You know, um, I'm excited for the show. And whatever else I said, you know, it was short, sweet to the point he remembered. And at that point, I had a lot of respect for him. Um, since then, in 2005, um, when they were still, you know, a band, um, they, they haven't toured together or anything, I think since 2000. God, maybe 2014, 2012. It's been a while since they've toured as a band, you know, Jeff Labar had um, alcohol issues. He's their lead guitarist. And uh, in 2005, I, I saw them backstage again, you know, I don't think he really remembered me. It was a, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people and a lot of faces at that time. So I remember taking pictures with them. I have a picture of each band member um, from 2005 with me and my wife, my wife actually kind of likes Cinderella and she, um, She enjoys just making me happy, I think, you know, whether she really likes them or not, because I overplay this music too much, you know. But (laughs) I brought my mom for her birthday, surprised her, and she's a huge Cinderella fan too now. So we all got to meet the band, you know, while they were still together. It was really cool.
0: Yeah, that's a nice uh, memory to have there with your wife. wife. Being able to do all that, that's pretty cool. My wife's the same way. I've drug her to so many heavy metal shows and music that she's never even heard of. (laughs) But she went for me like you said, she's doing it for me. She's not doing it for herself. She's doing it for me to make me happy. So,
1: yeah. And that's okay though. Right. Cause I, I did the same thing for, her. I went to a Bruno Mars concert with my wife. Um, it was okay. You know, I had a yeah. good time. It was okay.
0: I've gone well, to a James Taylor show with her a couple of times, you know, and actually has turned me into a fan of his music and I've taken her to see Blondie because she's a huge Blondie fan. And, yeah. you know, for her age, she still puts on a hell of a show, you know. So oh, I,
1: I like Blondie music too. I think Blondie's great. No so doubt.
0: to flip the script on you here, because it's been rock, hair metal, a little bit of oldies and stuff, where does Johnny Cash come into play with your spectrum of music? Yeah. So,
1: like I said, I could talk about different bands for a long period of time. I, It's funny, we talked about ACDC a little bit, and I really didn't, I, I, talk, I think I talked more about Cinderella than ACDC, and it's because I had that personal experience with Tom Kiefer, but um, getting into Johnny Cash, my dad is a huge Johnny Cash fan, um, and ever since I can remember, we listened to Johnny Cash, um, and we used to listen to it in my grandfather's, my grandfather's house used to be right in front of the house we that I grew up in on the West side. And my, my dad had his main stereo in the living room. So that's where we listened to a lot of our music versus the bedroom I had, because it was a smaller setup. And my dad used to play, um, Johnny Cash live from Folsom prison for me quite a bit. And that, that meant a lot to my dad because, you know, Johnny Cash spent some time there in, in prison and, uh, he wanted to give back to those prisoners and actually gave them a free show and that was one of his like most popular recordings you know so obviously like Walk the Line and uh you know there's there's a thousand songs that he had but my dad would always talked about how amazing Johnny Cash was as a songwriter his voice was one of a kind you know um so along with listening to Johnny Cash we listened to Waylon Jennings um you know a lot of Willie Nelson my dad was a big Hank jr senior fan actually not junior Hank Williams senior yeah um and then obviously we listened to some Hank Williams jr as well but my dad would uh would would play Johnny Cash all the time and that really stuck with me and you know I remember 1987 or 88 Johnny Cash re-recorded in stereo all of his big hits and uh that album was absolutely amazing it's just called johnny cash greatest hits and people don't realize like that's not all original recordings it was all re-recorded with better sound and if you can ever pick up that album or anybody's johnny cash fan you can hear johnny cash in all of his glory because you know it just it sounds a lot better better recorded but um i fell in love with johnny cash man I, i i went through that that phase up until god till i was a senior in high school i listened to johnny cash almost every day it was one of my go-to cds and it's kind of a change of pace cd for me or i'm sorry change of pace music for me um i just thought he was amazing man no one could play guitar like johnny cash you know (laughs) um but no he was great he was absolutely great and uh, i remember watching walk the line with joaquin phoenix and i learned a lot more about johnny cash than i ever did before but i earned a lot of respect for him um we used to watch PBS and all of his live concerts. Um, but he was, he, he was absolutely amazing, man. You know, Johnny Cash is great. You know, Ring of Fire, actually uh, one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs>
0: you know? Hey, its that's a good song to be one of your favorite songs of all time, man. Right up yeah. with Hell's
1: Bells, right? Hell's Bells is great, you know. But now I look at my favorite East songs probably Shook Me on It Long. Really? I love that song. Yeah, it's, it's be- one of the greatest rock anthems ever.
0: That could be arguably the most overplayed ACDC song too, if you want to say that as well.
1: There is absolutely no doubt. There's no doubt, but that song just gets, gets me going every time. That's, that's a phenomenal song, you know.
0: One of that whole days. album's
1: great though. That's like a Greatest Hits album, you know, when you listen to Back in Black. I mean, there's really no filler in that, in that album whatsoever.
0: One of these days, I'm going to walk into the dealership with
1: my Bluetooth speaker blasting (laughs) me
0: all night long, just looking for you to see if Uh,
1: you're dancing. I would love it, absolutely. I would dance. You know, I'm not a good dancer, but I would dance to that. I would dance to that for sure. (laughs) So, you know, getting into ACDC even more. um, You know, I I was I was absolutely crazy with ACDC. I had every one of their albums, every one of their cassettes, every one of their CDs. And, uh, you know, the list goes on with them. I mean, Highway to Hell is a great album. You know, Bon Scott's last album with them is phenomenal. Um, For Those About to Rock is absolutely phenomenal. That's their second album. That's actually their be- that's actually uh, their first hit single, you know, technically was uh, For Those About to Rock. So and not many people know that, but that, that album was well received and it actually at the time sold more albums than back in black but since we know back in black's the number one selling hard rock album of all time you know so they did something right there and mm-hmm. then uh along the way you know a couple lineup changes but their sound never really changed you know until razor's edge you know razor's edge was a little edgier album a little heavier but you had chris slate on drums who played for uh i believe the firm you know He's the bald guy. If no one remembers on the Thunderstruck video, and he also played with on their live album, you know, from ninety or from Donington, nineteen ninety one, and they had a heavier sound. They played the songs faster. You know, Brian Johnson tries to play a lot of the Bon Scott songs, which he does a good job on a lot of them. I think he chose the right ones to do. But if you listen to that live album, the the, the quality of the recording, the fidelity the songs just come alive, you know, especially the Bon Scott songs that he does, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was a different time for A C D C. That's when I, I consider them kind of their edgiest and a little heavier era, you know? But no doubt that Razor's Edge was their heaviest album, if you want to call ECDC heavy by any means, but they're really a hard rock band, you know? Oh,
0: yeah. You know, Money Talks, Thunderstruck was yeah. probably my Are favorite. Are You Ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Such yeah. a great one just good stuff you know since you brought up ac dc again um want to play some music trivia with ac dc i'd love to all right see if i can stump you here joe you Um, might (laughs) i hope not (laughs) some of these might be you know cupcake questions for you because you know i i don't know how hard or easy they are but if you're a avid fan of the band you might know some of this stuff so um You mentioned the Back in Black album. Can you tell me what year that album was released? 1980. Very good. One for one already. (laughs) Um, How about the album Highway to Hell? Do you know what year that was released? Uh,
1: 1979.
0: Two for two. You're doing better than Tug did on his Grateful Dead quiz.
1: <laughs> it, this is gonna get hard here because it's tricky. It really is, you know. And and I didn't prepare for this interview as far as like doing any research. I just worked all week, went home, did my thing, and we'll see. That, that's <laughs> what to remember. Of, right. That's right.
0: All right, here's one for you. Um, who was the inventor of the famous duck walk that Angus Young performs on stage?
1: Oh, uh, that would be Chuck Berry. Yes, it is. And that's one of Angus Young's biggest influences.
0: Yeah, you mentioned him earlier in the interview and stuff like that. Um, Wow, that's pretty good. Okay. Um, Big Gun was a song written for the movie Last Action Hero. Do you know who appeared in that music video? What actor?
1: Oh, well, the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. And even did the duck walk with him on stage in that video. I think that was like 93, right? Something like that. Um, it doesn't give me a year on there, unfortunately. Okay. I remember that because that was just a one-off single. It came out as a single, but of course I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan because I love the Terminator as well, but I, I love all of his movies. But the fact that he was in that video and the fact that AC, that, that song was great, by the way. I love that song. That was good.
0: All right. let's see if you can get a musical lyric here. Speaking of the Razor's Edge album from the 1990s, what does Brian Johnson want for Christmas? Mistress. Very good, man. I'm (laughs) impressed so far. No, like I said, I don't know how hard these questions are for the average person. I mean, I don't know all of them but
1: you know that's a little deeper track like you know they don't have deep tracks by any means you know but that's 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 definitely a deeper track if you don't listen to that album in its entirety you probably wouldn't know that you know
0: yes um can you tell me who formed the band
1: acdc oh okay so malcolm young is actually the malcolm young and angus young are the founders of acdc
0: yes they are very good um. Let's see if I can try to throw you a curveball here. In 2016, Brian Johnson stopped touring, and can you tell me who filled in for him on that tour?
1: Yes, because I actually went to that show twice that year. Um, I saw them with during that tour, the Rocker Bus Tour. I saw them in Detroit, and I saw them in Cleveland. Okay, so September was in september I, I believe it was 14 uh, 16 right um brian johnson It was one of his last shows actually um so he had some hearing loss correct had to stop touring and uh the lead singer of one of my favorite bands axl rose That's very good studios, man. and he toured with them so i actually went to that show later that year so i get to see acbc with Axel Rose, which was really cool. and That meant a lot to me. <laughs> it was really awesome, neat. man. You got a clean sweep.
0: I think you're my first guest <laughs> on a podcast that's got all the answers right. Good job, Joe. Yeah.
1: Well, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: um, before we jump off here in a little bit, um, I want to give you the opportunity um, to make any business plugs that you might want to do at this time. Because I know we talked a little bit before we jumped on the podcast. So Uh, Is there anything you'd like to uh, promote or make a plug for, you know, have at it, man.
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, I I work at Subaru, obviously, and this company as a company and as a dealership, we do a lot for the community. Um, So every year we have the show the love event. I think it runs from November 19th uh, to January 2nd. And uh, we donate um, at least up to $250,000 on behalf of four local charities. So, We do a lot with Akron Children's Hospital, ASPCA, Animal Charity, Meals on Wheels, which um, that's who we personally donate our time to um, as as salesmen and managers at the dealership. And uh, it just goes to a great cause. In lieu of rebates, we're giving back to the community, which I think is phenomenal. So when you purchase a Subaru, not only are you getting a great vehicle, uh, you're getting um, the opportunity to give back to the community. So, you know, Subaru is always about love. You're going to hear the love promise. Um, if you ever go to our website, um, if you know anybody that has a Subaru, they're a very green company. Um, so on top of doing for the community, um, which is really just number one, you know, giving exceptional customer service, um, meeting the needs of all our customers with newer pre-owned vehicles, offering great rates, great deals. Um, any time of the year is a good time to buy a Subaru and, um, just know that the vehicles where they're produced, where we manufacture our vehicles, are landfill-free facilities. So, for instance, the American-made Subarus, the Outback, which is our mid-size SUV, the Impreza, which is our compact car, the Legacy, which is our mid-size car, uh, the Ascent, which is our seven and eight-passenger vehicle, those vehicles are actually manufactured and um, and they use U.S. steel for those facilities as well. Those facilities are 99% landfill free, and um, the land surrounding that facility and the facility in Japan, which which manufactures the Forester, the WX, and the STI, the BRZ, which is our only vehicle that's not all-wheel drive, um, that's also a landfill-free facility, and the land surrounding it are considered national wildlife preserves. So we do very good things for the community, and where they produce the cars, they do very good things to their ability. It's a great car. It's reliable. Um, it means a lot for a lot of people um, to own a Subaru versus other brands. And we love to promote that. So we absolutely love where we work. Um, Orban Subaru, the owner, Rob Fellman, um, does a lot for the community himself. And and as a whole, we advertise, get a lot of people in here and it's just caught on like wildfire. You know, We've switched people from other loyal um, brands as well. So. But Subaru, I would say, is the most loyal brand in America. So I'd love for everybody to come out and at least check us out for your next vehicle.
0: Now, you are, if I'm mistaken, aren't you the used car manager at the yes. Over there. Yes, so, I'm one of, I'm one of
1: uh, two, actually, um, myself and uh, Steve Engster. Um, okay. We are um, in sales as well, but we are also the used car managers. Yes, so I'm one of the used car managers at the dealership.
0: So I might be coming to visit you here in about a year, actually about two years, because I'm going to have a soon-to-be 16-year-old here in two years that's going to need a used car, and uh, I think I might have to come give you a visit to get a good deal on something. Because uh,
1: absolutely, I would, I would absolutely love that, and uh, we'll give right you a great around. deal, of course, Ron. You know that. <laughs> you won't get a better deal in town. Um, I'm not
0: going to be buying a brand new vehicle for my son at 16. That's for sure. He's going to get a used car like all of us did. Well,
1: I like to use the term these cars are pre-owned, but we fully service them. They're fully looked over. Um, We can certify most of our vehicles and give you a great warranty, a great rate as well. If you're looking for financing, if not, you know, you know, whether you're paying cash or whether you're financing, you can get the best deal here. Awesome. And we have the greatest selection, too. So obviously, when that time comes we'll have something for you and if i don't have anything here we'll find you something but there's going to be no need for that we're going to have enough cars here for you to choose from yeah,
0: absolutely two years from now i got plenty of time to wait i'm not <laughs> going to rush things. trust me because uh yeah it's turned 14 and it's just taking it one year at a time but um joe beta i appreciate your time tonight i you know this has been a lot of fun because I can relate to a lot of the music because we're the same age, have a lot of musical taste and things like that. I do appreciate you jumping on. Hope you had fun tonight because I know
1: I did. I did too. And I feel like I went off track a million times because there's so much more to talk about. I could probably do this. I could probably do 10 more podcasts with you. Well, um, <laughs> Like I'm going to
0: say to you, like I say to everybody else, there's always another opportunity that I can get you back on here. Because like you said, there's concerts that we didn't even talk about that you went to some of these concerts of your favorite bands yeah. and artists and stuff. There's actually a couple of musicians that we didn't hit on. So, you know, if you want to come back, I'll have you back, man. How's that sound?
1: I appreciate it, Ron. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.
0: All right, guys. Uh, This is Ron Galissa signing up for the Music Spectrum Podcast. Make sure you guys check out my podcast. It's all over Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. So check it out. Also check out my Facebook page. It's under the Music Spectrum Podcast on Facebook. If you need a new car if you need a pre-owned car go check out Joe go check out my brother-in-law Taga Borman Subaru great company great guys out there once again Joe thank you for having uh, thanks for coming on my show tonight you guys have a wonderful night and we will see you guys very soon thank you